one. Well, that rally on Friday is now a distant memory. If the world, the global economy, didn't have enough things to worry about, y'all know we had an unprecedented event over the weekend uh, that's going to have some long-term ramifications. Let's try it. figure it out on pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Okay, traders and investors, uh, let's get things started. We'll go by the numbers first, and then we'll try and break things down for you as best as we can. Uh, S&Ps are giving back some of that rally from Friday. We're down 27 handles at 43.14, pretty much where we opened on Sunday night. So still a lot of uh, trepidation over the events over the weekend. The dollar's a little bit stronger, up 39 cents at uh, 106.17. That's just been a strong move. Bonds flat here at 110 and 15 30 seconds. Uh, crude, as expected here, up 342 at 86.21. Uh, we've been as high as 87.24 and as low as 84.67. Uh, gold, a little flight to quality here. That's up 16.30 at 18.61.50. We'll see how long that lasts. Uh, gold's been in a steep downtrend. Uh, big uh, Silver, that's flat here. So not as much interest in silver at 21.72. And I thought Bitcoin might catch a bit off this, but it's not. It's down to $595 at 27000 550 uh let's bring in triple d here and uh yeah. you know when uh you know when you talk about the markets and you talk about the technicals you talk about the fundamentals i mean things like this are 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 unprecedented and uh this is uh yeah. i guess to go to a technical view of things this is uncharted territory yeah, I mean, and sometimes, you know, making money has to be taken as a backstep here, you know, and looking, you know, and obviously feeling for the people who lost their lives, the citizens, you know, everything that happened over the weekend here is just terrible. Mitchell fill us on and on the details here just in a couple of minutes. But I mean, this is just, this is just not, you know, it, it, I don't know what to say. It's a somber mood here today, Joel. I know you can feel it, obviously, you know, personal to you, some of this stuff as well. Mitch, I mean, give us the details on kind of what has happened over the weekend here. But obviously, you know, this happened, I believe, Friday night. And because I woke up Saturday morning and looked at my Twitter, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what's happened here? And obviously, it's, you know, it was another war. In recent escalation in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Hamas fighters launched a deadly incursion on Israeli towns, resulting in hundreds of casualties. Israeli responded with airstrikes on Gaza, resulting in civilian casualties. The attack included rocket strikes on Israeli cities, movements crossing into Israeli by land, sea, and air. Hamas cited various reasons for the attack, including Israel's occupation of West Bank and recent incidents that have happened in Jerusalem. 
Israel's government and intelligence agencies were caught by surprise and the timing of the assault was noteworthy. The conflict has caused concern internationally and could affect efforts to normalize diplomatic relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Uh, this marked the deadliest conflict in decades and led to a full-blown war now. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister warned that Hamas would face unprecedented consequences for their actions. Now, of course, we're taking a look of how this will, how this new war will affect stocks. Let's take a look at what stocks are moving. Um, obviously, this is going to the first thing you think is oil is going to rip on this, and it's obviously everything that we saw. And I know we always talk about technicals, and we had a technical breakdown in oil last week, Joel, which you can definitely talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, you've got news and we say, we always say on the shoe, news trumps all, it trumps all technicals. It doesn't matter what the oil chart looks like. And you know, the, the te hardcore technicians will say, well, it was due for a bounce and this is the bounce. Now this is the news that is making oil bounce 4% here this morning. And it is a big bounce. Um, obviously knee jerk reaction, you know, the bots war, buy war stocks, buy oil, sell, sell stocks. That's exactly what you're seeing. Yeah, that's what gold to defense. So gold is getting a bit here. You're right. I'm somewhat surprised. But Bitcoin's a risk asset. So, you know, it's probably going to move more with the NASDAQ, I've said before, than, you know, saying, oh, this is defensive. Um, so let's just start with oil technicals here, Joel, because we do get the bounce. Obviously, you start thinking about the 50% retracement yep. of the move because it's such a wicked pop here overnight. So, I mean, we're not even that far from the 50% retracement loop. Maybe we can figure out those levels and then, you know, look from there. Yeah, there's uh, just from a, you know, obviously I've spent a little too much time, you know, reading about this stuff. But from all indications, you know, this has not stopped the flow of oil, right, to the, um, you know, through the main shipping channels also. Some of the bigger countries have said, you know, we're we're not stopping production, right? You know, right. So the production issue, you know, the supply and demand thing, as we know, as of right now, has not been disrupted yet. Um, with seven U.S. aircraft carriers heading to the area, uh, you know, that's a whole different story, and we can go into those implications in a second. Yes. Um, I, I, I thought. I just I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the monthly alone because that moved to 120. And I'm gonna focus on the bottom right chart. And even before this broke out and we had this this big move, um, I was thinking we were due for a bounce, right? We went to 95 bucks and then we went to 82. That's a 13 point move yes. to the downside. That's a big move. I mean, that is a huge move in two sessions. So yeah. You go logically speaking, you know, uh, half a 13, let's call it six and a half, the 88 and a half, 89 level. To me, that's a logical place for a retracement bounce. So far, uh, we've only gone to 87.24. So the market's going to digest this move. You know, yes. there's going to be a, a, a severe impact, you know, on supply. I mean, one thing I think you also have to note is what some of the numbers indicated last week is that there wasn't as much overall demand for oil, and that's why you had the big decline. Now, this is a different story. So for me, I'll let it knee-jerk reaction is obviously up. You know, we'll see if it can get back half of the move and, and stabilize. But, uh, yeah, the knee-jerk reaction here, 
uh, is, you know, is predictable. What happens the, afterwards? Yeah. The bots oh. are buying oil. I mean, as soon as this happens, the bots are buying oil and the bots are buying war stocks. And we can go into those two. We can go into some individual oil stocks in a few minutes as well, but they're all up pretty much the same thing. If you just want to quickly talk, we can look through. Exxon will up 2.5%. Chevron up 2.6%. Conoco up 3%. Halliburton up 3.6%. Schlumberger up 3.8%. Fang up 3.34%. EOG up 2.89%. Um, refiners always move a little bit less sometimes, so they're not up quite as much. But you can see oil clearly, clearly popping on this news. Of course, to add to the conversation, Saudi officials had reportedly told the White House on Friday that they were willing to raise output next year as a part of the proposed Israeli deal. An increase in Saudi output would help the relieve tightness after months of supply cuts from key producers in Saudi Arabia and Russia. Uh, I'm not going to drill on technicals. No time for jokes here, folks. Unintended. Unintended um, uh, I, I think I would I would look at this like if you just try and have your blinders on in this and and you know you were long Exxon Mobil and you thought crude was going to a hundred and you thought yeah. one twenty was a low level, I yeah. mean look at your you know look where you uh, Exxon Mobil's there, that's back to one ten that thing went to one twenty to a hundred and you know actually went uh, a little bit below one hundred uh, a few days after but man if you want a nice round number there. Uh, you know, 110 for Exxon Mobil. As I said, I'm not going to go through each individual issue, but that's what I would look at or look at some old daily highs in the area. You did get the spike over 110. Uh, just look at that. I mean, that's about all you guys you could use as a guide besides keeping your eye on the Benzinga Pro Newswire is, you know, see what other escalations take place. But yeah, and I, I mean the escalations, the knee-jerk reaction is usually always the strongest reaction here, Joel, and something to consider. Let's just take it to the technicals and move away from, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the whole personal situation here, just moving directly to the technicals on this. I mean, there's a lot of people who bought oil, to your point, you made a minute ago, thinking it's going to 100, and then it just fell off 13 points in basically a week and a half there was a lot of people caught long oil so do they potentially actually use this as a selling opportunity to get out of some of those longs that they were beat up on i think i think you gotta just i don't think you can just jump in and say oil's going right back to all-time highs because this has happened there's a lot of things to think about and it's not like if we were trading at all-time highs when this happened it'd be like oh boy you know sky you got yep. sky open and we always talk about when stocks are trading at new all-time highs, it's hard to be short them because they can go anywhere. Well, I work the same with commodities, and we're not at all-time highs, but multi-year highs we were at, being up at $95. And now, you know, we start to come off quickly. Last week, there was a lot of oil bulls who were very wrong last week. All of a sudden, they're getting a check back. I think some people might actually use this bounce to cut their losses. So I'm not 100% convinced that we're just going to rip right back to 95 on oil. I don't know if I'm selling it on day one, but... I think if I was sitting on a lot of oil losses, I'd think about maybe selling into the pop. Right. And also people that, uh, you know, were just like riding shorts, like, okay, we're breaking down under 80. You know, it just, it just shows how hard it is to, you know, to like get so opinionated one way or another. This is the way it's going. And this is going to happen because when you have, you know, it's these, these kind of news events. I mean, like you said, you could throw the, throw the, the charts off the window, I mean, you know, the other thing, too, just just looking back, I mean, just the dynamics of everything. I mean, the market had a nice rally on Friday. 
Yeah. I mean, things were looking okay, right? Uh, yeah. You know, the, the reaction to the jobs number and stuff. So, uh, you know, besides it being the 50th anniversary of the, you know, your Yom Kippur War and you, everything that's going on in U.S. and global politics right now, I mean, the, the timing of this is, uh, you know, just, I don't want to say impeccable, but it's just, it, it's they timed it at a time when we, you know, Things are vulnerable. Things vulnerable and volatile, I guess, is the uh, uh, the best way to put it. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the oil. I'm concerned that we get back to now higher 90s, right? If we get back above 95, what will that do for inflation? So that will definitely be on my radar there. Let's take it to the defense stocks. Uh, yeah. Lockheed Martin, RTX, NLC. What are you guys looking at here? Any opportunities still <sighs> to play this? I'm not going to chase defense stocks. The bots are chasing. There's people chasing. And obviously, some of these defense stocks had been beaten up. So they were sitting near the lows. So they needed a relief pop. They're getting a hell of a relief pop. Some of these stocks getting right back. Most of their losses back from the last month. I don't think like, yeah, when you go to war times, they automatically buy defense stocks. But, you know, some things, you know, like these stocks, a lot of them were in serious downtrends here. I mean, you can look at LHX, L3 Harris, which has been beaten right up. Yeah. And again, a lot of debt. We've been talking about higher rates, a lot of debt. Those issues are not gone just because you get a war. Now, again, this good war is good for these stocks. So you can think the big three first, though. Lockheed Martin, LMT, which is trading up and was sitting near 52-week low going into this, is up 18 points here this morning. General Dynamics, which was held on a lot better than some of the other ones. It's up 11 points here this morning. And then NOC um northrop gumman is up 11 points this morning and then lhx another one as well which i know had my long-term portfolio for a long time it's up for you can go to boeing it's trading greener but boeing obviously you know it's not just defense it's obviously you know airlines which airlines are getting beat up on this news here so um boeing's not going to be a pure play but the pure plays are the big three lmt noc and general dynamics i think these pops are knee-jerk reactions and I think there's a lot of people underwater in a lot of these stocks. I'm not sure you're going to get a lot of follow through here. So that's my thoughts as a technician. Um, obviously, if the war if it escalates, Joel, as we get new headlines, yep. that changes everything. So, I mean, and we are going to get new headlines. So if the escalations continue to go more than we the market anticipates, then you can see some continued moves here. But I'm not completely convinced that this is just the end of the downtrends for all the war stocks because obviously we're going another war. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what what way to make the best analogy for this. I I guess I'll just use like when a new CEO comes in, you know, like and a, and a stock is up like eight ten percent, you know, like ah oh, they got rid of the bad guy now yes. the good guy's in and everything's gonna be fine. Well, the way I I'll draw the analogy here is like we don't know if the U.S. is going to war. We don't know if they're ordering new planes. We don't know if they're ordering yeah. new bombers. And yeah. if they do, who are those contracts going to go to? How long is it going to take to, well, you know, first getting the funding through government, you know, through the through the government, which got enough on their hands right now. Um, so, I mean, if you're playing these things and, and you know, you, you were caught on the long side and or you, you were you were bottom fishing, then unfortunately, you got a gift. I mean, it's probably not the way you want to look at LMT up 19 bucks no. on this session. But 
it is what it is. This is what the market's telling you. So as I said, I'm just not going to drill down on every individual issue, but I would keep an eye on like the pre-market highs. And if you could find a, a daily high or a weekly high that coincides with that pre-market high, it makes it uh, it makes it a, a better level. But And um, remember the market that we have been in. This isn't a momentum market. We've been talking about this relentlessly for months. It's a contrarian market. So I'm not coming in buying Lockheed Martin up 19 points because of the, what's happened over overseas here, over in Israel. Um, it's up 18, 19 points. It's a big pop. This is like a pop that if I was long the stock, I would likely sell into it just because it was in such a wicked downtrend. And I would also go as far as let's look at the overall market here and think about what transpired on Friday. But before, you know, obviously these events, Friday during the day, we had a huge reversal, Joel. I mean, yeah. we were down significantly on the jobs data. We bounced right off the 420 on the S&P, which oh, we had talked about being potential support. We put in a flawed bottom there. There is underneath demand now for stocks to a certain extent. Talking with my trading hat on. It will not surprise me if the S&P actually... You know, and, and maybe we should go even further. Maybe we should look at the QQQ because when people get scared, we think they automatically go to these defensive stocks. But, you know, when they think about stuff like this, they sometimes go to the Magnificent Seven once again. I'm wondering if the Magnificent Seven doesn't actually get bought on this dip. Talking about Apple, which is down more than the market right now, 0.7%. Talking about Microsoft, which we'll get to Microsoft news here in a second. Microsoft is a stock that's talking about news that came out Friday before these events is they're talking about a potential AI chip. So Microsoft had its own news, which was up substantially Friday night before this. And we'll get to that news in a bit. But I'm just going to go through these stocks, Magnificent 7. Tesla's down significantly, had a huge reversal on Friday as well, was way down and then obviously turned around and started to try to go green. Um, Meta, obviously same thing in the Magnificent 7, huge rally on Friday. There are people who are short these stocks that are getting crushed. And we've been giving the, the argument that the Magnificent Seven has been doing better in this environment Held because up. majority yeah. of these companies don't have a lot of debt. Majority of these companies are basically debt-free. Like, you know, you could say Apple has all oh, its billions. What do you mean? Yeah, but with their market cap, they could do an offering tomorrow and get rid of all their debt just like that in a snap of a finger. So Tesla is unbelievably almost debt-free. So, I mean... You think about the companies that are debt-free and just take these events. Let's take the events that happened over the weekend, obviously in the Middle East. Take these events and not look at them for a second. When you look at you know where we were in the overall market, they were basically on Friday buying mega cap tech. They weren't buying debt-laden stuff. A lot of stuff didn't participate on Friday. Some stuff did, but there was a lot of stocks that really didn't participate that much on Friday. I mean, banks are a mess. Banks have been a mess. They didn't participate much on Friday. IWM bounced a bit, but it didn't participate much. And it's right back down to the lows. What was bouncing on Friday was tech stocks and especially mega cap tech. Does that bounce? Because you're getting a check back here today on this news. Does this dip in mega cap tech get bought? I'll throw it to you guys. Make one. I just going to make one comment on Apple, and then I'll throw it to you, Mitch. When mm -hmm. uh, uh, before uh, before I was out the late, latter part of uh, last week, I was looking at. Uh, yeah, I always like to look at things on a relative basis. And yeah, the S and Ps were breaking down, but your top component 
that just it went under 170, but that wasn't last week. That was two weeks ago. That was holding up the relative. And, I, and when I look at that, I'm like, and there was actually one day last week. I left on Wednesday. So on Monday and Tuesday, we're, Dennis, and I remember talking about this with you. The market was down, like going into the last 20, 30 minutes. And I looked, Apple was up, Microsoft was up, Google was up, Amazon was up, NVIDIA yeah. was up, and Tesla was up, and Meta was up. Yeah. And I'm like, and the S&Ps are down? I was like, okay, I know absolutely nothing about these markets. I know nothing about indexing. This makes absolutely no mathematical sense. And then what uh, happens on, on Friday? And it was just the other stuff was so beat up. And the other stuff did try to bounce on Friday. But again, it's mega cap. It's a Magnificent 7 that's leading this market. And it's hard to fight that. And people are asking me about my short on Apple. I talked about why. I talked with you the last week when I was short Apple. And I said, I'm nervous on this Apple short. And I actually may cover it because I don't like the debt. I don't like that, you know, if you're being short the stock. And you can clearly see what was getting hit hard were companies with debt, with a lot of debt, because interest rates. And I'm like, I'm looking at this and thinking Apple basically has no debt, very little debt relative to market cap. And it's kind of stock that may actually, people may flock to and hide. And that's what's transpired. So it's coming back up. So I am not short Apple anymore. I covered it, I believe, Wednesday um, when we were talking about it on the show. Um, I, t I made a little bit of money on the short, um, but it really didn't go down that far. I'd been short like 174, 175, and I got short out at 172, I think. So... It just wasn't the time. You could see clearly the separation. As a trader, you know, do I think Apple is overvalued? Absolutely. Do I think Apple, you know, should be trading 28 times in an environment where I think, you know, we are going to go into recession? No. But the short term here, we can see what's happening. So I'm going to talk bullish on Apple here today. Just in the short term, trader hat. Not putting in my long-term portfolio because I don't think it makes any sense at 28 times. But as a trade right now, you can see clearly, Joel, to your point, that's what they were buying two, three days ago. And you've got to understand when you see a stock downgraded and then it closed green, Key Bank downgraded the stock and closed green on that day. It's telling you that there is just underneath demand here. I think the Magnificent Seven continues to catch a bit here. I think the dip in the Magnificent Seven today is a potential buying opportunity with my trading hat on. It is scary to go buy stocks though when you're you're talking another war. You know, we're talking all this new information. A lot of things can happen. So you know, if it you know if I go and buy some of the Magnificent Seven today. Say they're down one percent some of these stocks, you know, and they all of a sudden pull the rug out from under them at nine forty, nine fifty. Well, I'm going to cut my losses because I'm like I'm going to be wrong. It's a wrong call. As a trader, your job is to change your mind when you're wrong. How do you know you're wrong? You start losing money. That's what it is. But you know, let's take it to Microsoft news here, Mitch, yeah. because Microsoft's in the magnificent seven. Microsoft had a, a very big headline Friday night, and this stock was getting bought hard, Joel. Friday night, it was up over two and a half dollars because they'd come out with news or over two dollars. They'd come out with news that they were coming out with an, or the information. No, Mitch, give the news or the, the or the rumor. It's a rumor. Yeah, it's a rumor. And it comes from the source of the information. It seems like we're going to have to get this magazine or keep an eye out because we've gotten <laughs> multiple reports from the information. Just want to state that Microsoft to debut an AI chip next month that could cut into NVIDIA's GPU costs. Of course, Microsoft has even been using NVIDIA's chips right now for their AI, but if they could actually debut their own AI chips, cut away from NVIDIA, will others do the same also? And what will that do for NVIDIA's earnings? Let's be honest here. Let's take valuation aside on Microsoft for a second here. 
they are doing everything right right now, Joel. I mean, the chat GPT trying to attack Google. Now we're going to come out with this. We're going to try to get on NVIDIA and tack there too. They're trying stuff, man. You got to give yeah. Microsoft some props here because they are trying. The valuation is nosebleed, yes. But I'll tell you, right now, out of, like for today as a day trade, I think, this is just my opinion, I know nothing, I have no information, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think Microsoft goes green here today. I think Microsoft is the one that, if I'm buying any of the Magnificent 7 today, it would be Microsoft, because this is just new information that nobody's going to talk about today, but it's sneaky, because, you know, obviously, you know, what's the events that have transpired in the Middle East are trumping everything, but this stock was up $2 on this news Friday night, and NVIDIA was down at one point in time, Joel, 6 bucks on this news on Friday night. NVIDIA is down 9 now, down more, getting hit harder, because there is some of this news in here. They don't want competition from Microsoft, and Microsoft's coming in and trying to give competition to everyone. So ChatGPT was a direct attack on Google. This is pretty much a direct attack on NVIDIA. So I, if I'm a Microsoft shareholder, I'm liking this news. And I'm not a Microsoft shareholder at this time, but part of me as a trader thinks maybe I want to be for the next little bet. Again, if the market just turns around and and, and, and the market could get spooked here, like we don't know what's going to happen. Dip's kind of getting bought a little bit here, but once the market opens here, we got Columbus Day. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of traders not go. even on the desk. It's a holiday that. in yep. Canada. It's Thanksgiving in Canada here. So, you know, I've got family over and stuff and, you know, that's why, you know, I'm not going to trade a lot of today either. Um, but I'm doing the show with too. you guys. Right? Pardon me, Mitch? The bond market's closed. The right? bond and market is how closed. Will that there's a lot the of like, today. this is like closed. Like there's a lot of things closed here today. So, I mean, like the Canadian markets are all closed too. So you got to think like the volumes could be a little bit lighter here. So there could move price even more. Mm-hmm. We don't have the bonds to look at. Mm-hmm. So it, it, if you're taking any trade, I'm just say cautious. You've got to be cautious. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. My knee jerk thoughts are actually to take profits in oil and to buy mega cap tech on this dip. That's what my knee jerk reaction like thinking here is, but that's the natural contrarian in me too. And I may be wrong, but that's the way I would maybe try to trade it if I was trading it today. Just to bring something different to the conversation. Have you guys ever traded like the XLG? Mm. Um, It's thinner, isn't it, Mitch? Yeah, this is the top thin. 50 in the S&P yeah, it's 500. it's thin though. Ah, oh, it's so, actually, no, you're right. It has some volume. You know, I'm looking for stuff that, you know, could be not Magnificent 7, but at least maybe give us a little bit better exposure to the top in the S&P 500. This is the top 50. What do you guys think about something like this? I don't I've think never you traded want the CTF. Yeah. Uh, and traded, maybe it's because I stick with the you know? really big ones. So, you know, I've heard of it. I've just never traded it. It does have some volume. It doesn't have the volume of the S&P. It's not even close. Like, what was the volume of this on Friday, Joel? Yeah, uh, four, 424. I mean, 424. I, I like to get yeah, in and yeah, out, like, yeah, very, yeah. you know, and, and maybe it does have a market. Maybe high-frequency traders are giving it a market. But the reason I don't trade some of these, and you've got to really watch on the ETFs, like, oh, that's a cool ETF. We're going to go trade that. I mean, obviously, you know, we have Matt Tuttle on here a lot of times here, but some of his ETFs are pretty thin. So, yeah. I mean, you have to be careful. I think this one's thicker than that. I'm looking at, you know, it's got some trades. 400,000 isn't nothing. But yeah, I, I like to get in and out with a penny or two spread. That's <laughs> why I stick with the S&P. When I'm trading ETFs, the majority of my trades, I would say, you know, the, the, the mass majority of my trades are probably, you know, really within 10 ETFs. And the biggest one, obviously, SPY, Q's, IWM. Those are the three big ones. But then, you know, I trade XLF, which I have a position on even today. 
uh, now trade, you know, XLV and, you know, XLP if I want to trade staples and XLU if I want to trade utilities. Why? Because they thin. I don't go to those smaller ones because there's like a dozen, you know, staples ETFs, but some of them are really thin and just can't get in and out of. So I don't want to be paying out like a, a big spread to get in and out of it. So that's why I typically stick with the most widely traded ETFs. But I mean, if you're a long-term investor and you want a little different exposure, these are a lot of these vehicles designed with a long-term investor in mind. Right. And for, uh, you know, for you, Dennis, I mean, 400,000 uh, on Friday. I mean, I remember when I used to, you know, be, you know, act, you know, uh, very actively trading like several stocks. If a stock trades four or 500,000, you know, you're, you're not, you're not taking down 5,000 shares, you know, because you're going to be the market. You're going to affect the market. You're going to, you know, even, you know, if you get long it and you panic and you want to get out, you're going to move it vice yeah. versa. So like for this, if you're, you know, if you're trying to day trade it, I bet you like, even if you took down like five, 800 shares, you would, you would have to, you know, babysit it a little bit to, you know, to try and get out of it. But if you're a long-term investor, then it's a little different story. I just want to do a general market comment here. And, you know, I, I think all things considered to see the S and P's down 25 handles. I mean, I almost feel like it's up on this session, you know? Yeah, with, that's with, a good point with, too. Uh, yeah, with everything that, you know, yeah. with everything that's transpired, I mean, you know, if, if this was the big kahuna, this is the start of WW3 and, you know, this was it, you know, get, get in your shelter, you know, we, we'd be we'd be limit down. There'd be no doubt. We'd, we'd be limit down. So there's uh, buyers out here. There are yeah. buyers buying this dip. You can clearly see it, you know, early and early trade here. And how low have we been, Joel, just to give us the overnight action, just to recap it, to get a feel for what has happened here overnight. How far uh, are we the, off the lows? Uh, we're, we're 17 handles off the low. Yeah. Uh, the the S&Ps, I didn't, you know, with the way we whooshed up on Friday, it was hard for me to find a good daily number to lean on. So 42.9950, psychological 4,300 level. If that holds up today, then that, I think that that, and I, I don't know where we're going to close. I don't know if we're going to take it out and close above it. But if somehow that pre-market low is defended and we, let's say we settle right here, right on Columbus Day or something. I think that'd be like a major victory for the market, but uh, we're an hour away from the open and a lot of, th a lot of things can happen. Also, you guys did met it is Columbus day. There's a little bit less liquidity, but uh, I think right now the S and down like my knee jerk reaction. Like I saw this Saturday morning. The only thing I think about, even though I was away, was like, man, how this food is going to open on Sunday. You know, you know, they're going to open down, you know, oil's going to open yes. up. You know, what, you know, what's the next move? What's the counter move? You know, how the more, the more information too. like, I, I was very, you know, upset about it. I'm like, I'm going to wait a day and I'm going to get more information. Well, it turned out more information. And that's not a bad idea. Like, even if you're like, I don't know how to digest this, you can sit back and, you know, like we're trying to make calls, you know, it's what we do. You guys come to give our, get our market opinions. My market opinion, this short term is like, I think, you know, that. I'm not saying I'm necessarily going short oil, not into this news, but would I ring the register on some of these pops and the defense stocks? Yeah, I think I would actually. Would I chase these defense stocks? Absolutely not. I would not do that here. Would I buy the dip in mega cap tech here as a trader? Kind of. I mean, that's what it the natural contrarian in me. And I've kind of see it a little bit here already, some of that happening. So, you know, maybe that changes after 930 when people get in. It is a holiday. But I think just, you know, to come in, 
and say, yeah, I'm going to come up here and buy Lockheed Martin up 20 because it's going up 50 on this. I don't think it's going up 50 on this. All right, let's move towards a looks like buyout here in uh, Bristol Myers. Bristol Myers to acquire Marardi Therapeutics for $58 per share in cash. Marardi stockholders will also receive a non tradable contingent value, right? A CVR for each Marardi share held, potentially worth $12 per share in cash, representing an additional $1 billion in value. What is the symbol on Marathi? Yeah, I'm over ah, three. On, I did MITX. I did MRTI. MTX. I, uh, I keep keep up. Oh, <laughs> M. No, you you got three of the letters. Okay, I I give up. What is MRTX, it? man? MRTX. Oh, I, thought I, I thought I tried that. So was this a take under? Uh, it. I mean, they're acquiring Marathi for fifty eight dollars per share, so. It's a take yeah. under. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. I'm just looking like the stock's trading down $3 on this. It obviously popped up like on. Yeah. So we were rumored here on, on Friday. Thursday, maybe. Is this Friday? It had the big pop up. Joel? I'm trying to look at the I think that's Thursday. Now. Yeah. Thursday. Yeah, I, yeah. So I had a rumor coming out here on Thursday that Bristol Myers was talking about or, or not maybe Bristol Myers, but there was rumors on this thing, obviously, because the stock was popping up. Now we get the official takeout, and the official takeout is less than obviously what the market thought it was going to be. Oh, it was Sanofi like San who Sanofi was rumored was on Thursday to be buying yeah. it. Yeah, so it does get bought. Bristol Myers comes in out from under Sanofi's feet and scoops it up. So mm -hmm. MRTX probably disappointed shareholders. Probably very disappointed with the premium here. Because sometimes you get these smaller companies, they think, "Oh, I'm going to get the payday here." Well, if you're buying it Thursday on the rumor, you didn't not not only not get a payday. You're actually taking a loss here this morning because the price comes in under where market thought it was going to be. Bristol Myers choir here, they seem to just hit them no matter what. It's getting hit here. So it's down 1.3%. Uh, Bristol Myers is just a stock that's just been killed. I mean, you don't want to talk about uh, stock shirts that are ugly. Again, this is a little bit to do with the interest rate trade. Dr you know, drug stocks typically have more debt, but it's the bigger thing is the TINA being dead trade is that the alternative is just five and a half percent treasuries, which sounds a lot safer than a, a drug stock. So I think that's what's killing them the most. I also see some headlines here that uh, that same day, there was a headline that the FDA advisory committee was meeting to discuss a rival drug by Amgen. Maybe that has to do with why they went after this company. Um, what's going on with the situation with Amgen and the FDA? I, I have to look a little bit deeper into this. I don't know if you guys know a little bit into that, but uh, so it looks like Amgen uh, FDA is looking into a drug. Maybe potentially this one could compete with that one, and that's why Bristol Myers went with it. Okay. All right, let's go to everybody's favorite Monday time. I know you guys have been asking, where the heck has it been? We need some market structure Mondays. All right, Tim Quast is back with us. How we doing, Tim? It's good to get into it. Talk a little market structure edge. How we doing? Good to see you. Thanks for the couple weeks off. I kind of needed it. <laughs> <laughs> we all needed some time, I, man. We need some time off yeah. after this. Oh man, <laughs> this last week for sure. Yeah, right, it's been a, right? A, definitely a, a tough day with the situation that's been going on. Of course, uh, we can get into the conversation how that affects the markets. What will you be looking uh, this week, Tim? Uh, well, Mitch, I, 
it's the markets don't seem to have a lot of um, a, a lot of propensity to hew to what happens geopolitically. You know, we're, we're talking about uh, what's happening with Israel and Hamas and maybe Hezbollah. Uh, you know, we'll see. It, it, <clears throat> the, the one thing that that stood out to us ahead of this event was very high short volume market wide. Look, the market is was at a statistical bottom. We talked about it last week to edge users that we felt very confident that the market would offer some good trading opportunities, particularly in tech. I don't think that those are gone. But uh, to to me, the the telling feature will be short volume, the supply side of the market, not the demand side of the market. We'll see. Now, of course, uh, interest (laughs) rates have risen and tech stocks were rising on Friday. But what's going on? It just seems like there's a lot of conflicting noise in the market right now, Tim. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the orthodoxy is that tech does poorly when interest rates rise. And I guess the thinking there, I'd look, I don't buy into that notion because I don't think the market has worked that way for quite some time. But uh, I think that the, the notion is that if interest rates are high, it diminishes the, the interest that money may have in chasing a risk. I mean, if you can, if you can park your money in cash, for five percent, why would you risk losing ten percent? <laughs> if you look, I've at- been given that argument <laughs> for a while here now. It's why right. I'm half cash in my long-term hmm. portfolio because I get paid right. to be in cash. Uh, it absolutely the 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 counterpoint to that is that you always have to keep this in mind, traders. You got to know how the market works and what the money is doing, and and. This is how the market works and what the money is doing. There, there will always be, and until there isn't, I guess, <laughs> a certain amount of money that is going to be committed to equities in models. And this is how the market works today. Most of the, the big institutional money, and I'm talking about BlackRock, uh, Vanguard, Fidelity, State Street, UBS, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, uh, I could rattle off additional names. They're principally following models. You probably have money with those folks. I have managed accounts. Uh, we tend to follow uh, an allocation scheme. How much do we want committed to equities versus other forms of investment, fixed income, alternatives, real estate, all those sorts of things. Uh, and there is a certain chunk of the money that will continue to go through retirement vehicles into, the, into equities. And where does it go? Well, it's going to disproportionately go to the biggest stocks because they are stable, they have less volatility, and they have a lot of liquidity. And that will disproportionately benefit tech, large tech. I mean, Tesla and Amazon are 43% of the consumer discretionary index. It's what index? I know it's crazy. Stocks. That's not an index, almost, man. Right? It, exactly. Yeah. So they're going to benefit. And that's why we say, well, just look at the supply-demand balance. And when yeah. those things are improving, that's where you want to be. When they deteriorate, you should put your money in cash. And right now, uh, you know, we've had a nice few days. I, I had a very good trading week last week, trading things like AMD and NVIDIA and other big tech. Uh, but I think it could be a short cycle. Uh, just yeah. looking at the supply side. 
Yeah, and if we look into the markets, right, we've had some rallies on Friday. The S&P 500 still down significantly here. And if you look into the sectors, there's some sectors that are screaming goodbye as we saw the uh, utilities down big, real estate down big, staples down big. Uh, where's the safety trade? Is there any safety trade? And what's really going on underneath the hood here, Tim? Well, they're, so if you look at real estate and utilities, they're very small parts of the market. I think that that's part of the problem. If, if, uh, if BlackRock is allocating money to the market, what proportion of it is going to go to real estate and utilities? Well, not much, particularly when there is a, when there is a disproportionate amount going to fixed income because you can produce a return from your capital. I mean, why would you buy illiquid real estate and utility stocks if you could buy liquid Tesla or Amazon or NVIDIA. And I think that that's a problem. Consumer staples, um, you know, that's it's difficult. I can look at the supply demand balance here. I'll show you, in fact, and you can you can see what the problem is. Uh, bear with me here one second. Uh, let's do it let's do it while i give the chat here i'll give you guys of course you guys know we're using market structure edge you guys check it out for yourself i'm throwing up the link here get your two-week trial man get it now it's it's uh, actually a month you can use Whoa. it a month nope no nice. no uh no risk you don't have to you know just i've been I've been getting, I, I know they're using it out there, Tim. Other shows, I've been hearing messages. Uh, hey, market structure is saying this. I'm like, all right, well, thanks for the insight, right? We've got, we've got to know the good stuff, man. Let's take a look underneath hey, the hood. Hey, it works. I, and it's, you know, it's certainly not because I know something. It's that the, there is, a, there is a, a cadence and calendar to the market, and there are rules that govern how money gets into and out of the market, and you, and you can see it. So going to, you know, staples and discretionary are right next to each other. And this is how I think about these things. There's demand, the top graph, and there's supply. And when they're diverging, as happened right at the end of August into September, this was a good time to trade consumer discretionary. And you could produce some nice returns. The moment that deteriorates and demand wanes and supply rises, not a good time. Maybe it's like I saw in the chat, that's a good time to sell premium. If you can see <laughs> that demand is just not there and there's there's too much supply, well, it's a good time to sell volatility to people who don't know those things. And mm -hmm. if I look at it right now, you know, the, the demand side of discretionary is okay. It's at five. That's the bare minimum. That just that's just matching supply and demand. If supply is above 50% and rising, it's gonna be very difficult for those stocks to rise. And so probably you should sell some premium on that group. If you look at staples, it's even worse. Uh, weak demand, supply is not quite as high, but it's rising too. I look, weak demand, high supply, not good. Until those conditions change, uh, either, either short or sell premium uh, or find something else. And, uh, you know, you could look at big tech. This is what we yeah. saw a week ago. Big tech had falling. Here, I'll zoom in on that. Had falling sure. supply. See this mm -hmm. supply is this was the bad time. Right at September options expirations. Be at, you don't want to be in tech. But at the transition from September to October, demand was or, or supply was very low and demand bottomed and rose. And that is oftentimes where you can get a return in tech. Uh, so, I, you know, AMD is a great example of this, one that you don't tend to put with big tech, but it behaves very much like big tech. 
and it's mm -hmm. more volatile, which means instead of getting 2%, you can make 3 or 4% at a time. Uh, I traded it over and over. It went up to 104, then went back to 100. I bought it, went back up to, I just did that over and over. Uh, so it's it's a way to play those trades. And so you can see this is still pretty good. The thing to watch is if the supply side begins to outpace the demand side, clearly prices are going to stop rising. And if you're long, then you don't want to be exposed to that. And once again, maybe then that's the time to sell premium. Uh, but that's what we look at. And if I look at, there's the only thing. If I, is there momentum in the market? Not really. There are four stocks in momentum. Uh, mm. One of those is Nvidia. There are eleven in low volatility. Now, you know, again, could you? Could you? What are the uh, other three in momentum? We always like to see your momentum. You got it. Yeah. So I we had zero I in there a couple of weeks ago. So at least we got a couple. <laughs> we went for almost two weeks with nothing in it. So there you have it. Moderna is in it. Believe it or not. Wow. Nvidia. Uh, SMCI, yeah. SE, these are these are challenging stocks to trade uh, because yep. they're 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 ones and ones a, 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 an a, an ADR, American Depository Receipt, I believe. Uh, SE, SE is yeah, yes. C, yeah, and it those things are challenging because they're heavily arbitraged yeah. and and they don't necessarily do what you expect. So be careful. I mean, if I'm picking out of this, I could keep returning to Nvidia. I mean, you could make seventeen dollars. Per share on Friday in Nvidia, if you just bought yeah, it's it, ridiculous. Early, right? It's just it, crazy. It's that, and we have yeah, a headline crazy. here in Nvidia, and we're getting a dip here again because talking about Microsoft coming out with an AI chip they were kind of talking about on Friday. So you come back with the Nvidia here, um, dipping here. It's, it seems like just when Nvidia dips, there's just so much underneath demand in the stock that yeah. you just can't break it. I don't know if it's money managers that just don't know which AI plays, but they know Nvidia is one, and they just keep scooping it up on the dip. I mean, SMCI, which is another one which was in your filter, which I was long for yep. a bit too, and I just sold recently um, because it's rallied up quite a bit here in the last week or two. I mean, the dips yep. keep getting bought in this stock too. So the yep. AI story is still out there. Even though the market has gone ice cold, the AI story is still out there. You can see it in those stocks. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're looking at it from a market structure standpoint, this is what you look for. You look for rising demand, the green part of the graph, and it's hit 10 now and mm -hmm. falling supply. Almost always, particularly if the stock pulls back some, you're gonna have an opportunity to make a reasonable part of the volatility. And now Nvidia has five, almost five and a half percent movement every day. That's just between the highest and lowest prices. So if it's down three or 4% at the open, the probability that in the next day or two, you can produce a nice return is mathematically very, very high. When yep. supply starts to rise, that's going to deteriorate, and that's how you manage risk. You're just stacking the probabilities in your favor that you can produce a return. And does it have anything to do with fundamentals? Well, that's an input, but it's really these short-term imbalances in supply and demand that give you the opportunity to, to produce returns. All right, Tim, let's wrap up with just the overall market outlook. We haven't taken a look at the overall market. I'm sure it's going to be similar to that big tech, but let's take a look here. Let's see how supply is moving up. And can we really kind of sustain a rally back from these 420 area or will we be going lower? What is it showing us on the data? Well, okay, so if you're new to Edge, this is the, the gray part of the graph, the one that's more volatile, that's price and it's SPY. It's a proxy for the S&P 500. The smoother green line, that is, that's tallying up demand, 
10-point algorithm that meters buying and selling by investors. There are four big behaviors plus price that make up that algorithm. Uh, and then down below is short volume, the data set associated with the modified uptick rule. It's a great way to understand supply in the market. When uh, demand drops below that green line, literally 100% of the time in the data set, all the way back to 2010, the market has risen. Um, and so, but it can be very short term. I mean, could we, could, could things change very rapidly? Yes, and here's why. If the supply side were falling, I would say this is a very durable rebound. But the fact that supply is 51%, the market is more short than long. And so it's like yeah. climbing a hill. If you're in a car and you press the throttle, you've got thrust, which is what demand is, but the hill is fighting against you. And that's kind of where we are. I think this is a reflection of, you know, if, if people get cautious, if they turn cautious about the situation in the Middle East and the, and yeah. the potential for it to expand, I mean, it's, it, the world feels very tenuous right now. And it, that's a, it's a terrible thing that has happened there. Uh, it, and, you, you know, somebody's going to have to, Israel's going to have to have the will to win this thing, to restore order. Uh, but this is bad news. If, if, that, if this continues to rise, we're going to see a double dip here. And I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I just watch the data. And then you have to shorten your timeframes as a trader when you see these things developing so that you're not yeah. caught out and all of a sudden, you know, your, your, your trades turn negative. What I like about this is also, Tim, is sometimes as traders, we always get like kind of our subjective view, right? Yep. And one of the best things I think is, is important is also taking a view of your subjectiveness of the market, but also then looking at quantifiable data to seeing if those two views are matching. Because that's what I like to do is try to match the variables, right? The technicals, the story, the fundamentals, but even better, kind of short supply, looking into demand. Things yep. like this, I think, really help when we can put those things together. Absolutely. And a great segue to Israel is uh, Danny Kahneman and Amos Tversky. Danny Kahneman won the, the Nobel Prize in, in Economic Theory for their studies. And, uh, you know, they're Israeli PhDs who studied confirmation bias, our natural human inclination to believe what we think. Right? We're, we, are, we, do, we do that. That's what we do as yeah. human beings. Uh, and you have to be very aware that you we all are subject to it and yeah, it, and it's sure. challenging we we put, commit and we believe something's going to come true and it and, but you you got to step back from that and and do, as to the best of our ability within the constraints of human nature uh use math because math brings objectivity to the equation and that's all the only it, you know advice i could give you is you try to rely on math because math won't lie to you that's what we'll go with. If you guys want to learn a little bit more of Tim Quas and, of course, Market Structure Edge, I threw up there his link for Market Structure Edge. Get that free trial and give my man a follow on Twitter. Always come, good to have you. Uh, come join us on Thursday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern go. time. You got we'll, to. We'll, nice. we'll, we'll talk live about the, using the data effectively. Hey, well, you get Market Structure Mondays here, but if you want Market Structure Thursday, you might want to go over to my man, Tim. Have a good one, Tim. Always good to have you. It's good to have you back, my friend. Great to be with you guys. Thank you very much. Have a great Thanks, week. Thanks, Tim. All right, let's get back to the markets. How are we looking here, Joel? 
just just quiet here, just chopping, you know, with you know, if you didn't have the events over the weekend, you say, Hey, this is Columbus Day, you can have a little bit of uh, you know, a tighter, you know, range bound market. Uh the bonds, even with the bond market closed, uh, they're showing a little bit of strength here. But well, you can just- look at the TLT and this is again, we talk about you know, this is a flight to like safety here to a certain extent. And the TLT has not been a flight to safety for a long time because of rates. But now you get war times like I want to be more in cash here and I'm going to go in the TLT where I can sit here, pick up some money. And, you know, obviously it's depressed prices, but, you know, with bond market being closed, you get a, and you don't get a pure feel for, you know, what's happening here. But fairly active market here. TLT is up today. Let's take a look at Israeli stocks that are down also off of this. Uh, I got a couple of these names, some bigger, some smaller. Uh, first one at the top, CHKP. We can take a look at that. And a lot of these stocks are down pre-market. I don't Is, know. Will this continue well, to stock, kind of affect these stocks? I, I'm just bringing up something that I will be looking at. Of course, I'm not sh- sure that they will continue going down here. Uh, they are showing some effects in the pre-market here uh we're gonna run through a couple names so there's uh, tiva also t-e-v-a is the really market open or this is just the you know i didn't look these are up. these are some that have exposure to the u.s no, right, I know, and they're and listed then, on the U.S. exchange. Teva's an Israeli company. Yeah, Teva Farms. I did not know that. Yep, yep. Yeah, I'm I'm looking this up from a companies that have exposure um, okay. with that, and so some of these could also have exposure elsewhere too, but they do have it definitely exposure here. Also, you got Monday M N D Y. Really, I did not know this. This is what I'm just yeah, trying to no, add this some is good information, value, right? Mitch. Mitch, try to add some added value. Yeah. Um, F and Fiverr, F V R R. And there's a, a long list here that you guys can look at. I'm going to throw these up the stocks are getting hit harder it. for sure. So where are you getting this list from? I'm throwing it up right now in the chat. I always like to give you guys the outlook. Where there. are you this grabbing this information stock from? Market mba.com i just threw it up in the chat there if you guys okay. want to take a look at it i'll yeah. also throw it up in our chat there dennis if you just want to click on it yeah um, no it's that good information you. thanks mitch so these are of course israeli companies that have exposure in the u.s exchanges and so definitely mm-hmm. take a look at that i'm not sure that these will continue going down but it could be the non-obvious it's important to know today. important to know I would say looking at um at all these stocks, I mean the yeah. best in breed here is CHKP. I mean, you talk about a tech stock here, pure play cybersecurity vendor. We'll see YBR uh, too. Yeah. It's on there. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm just looking at the list a, now. Yeah. This yeah. is this is based in uh, Tel Aviv, Israel. I mean, this thing you talk about best in breed here. I mean, this thing is is down. So if you wanna if you want to be be with the trend trader and go with what the trend here and you're buying dip. I mean, this this stock has by far been the best performer. Uh, Tava, it just never uh, was it that peanut allergy thing they had, or it was that Mylan Labs. I remember they had some problems. Tava's it's just it's just dead money. It's been dead money some for quite some time. Had a nice bounce off nine. Uh, so um, you know. Just have to see how these ones trade, but it looks like CHKP. They're going to be there's going to be some questions asked. It uh, you know regarding the Israeli, you know the intelligence on this one. This was um, 
This was uh, unfortunately quite a surprise. Disney, Disney, we got to talk about it. The chat's been like, what's going on, Dennis? They want to know, is it an investment now? As Nelson Peltz plans on pushing for board seats at Disney, of course, uh, they have a stake more than $2.5 billion. I feel like we've heard this headline before. It, it, yeah, and Peltz was in here for a while, and then he cut his losses basically on a pop. Is that what happened? Same. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you are at multi-year lows in Disney. You are at major support. We can't argue with that support. Same way the S&P bounced to 420, Joel. The level was just too big. Disney level of 79 is just absolutely enormous. It's COVID lows. Obviously, I'm concerned, and you know, and maybe you can talk to Disney a little bit more here, Joel. Um, I'm I'm obviously concerned that you know the park attendance. Maybe starting, you know, they're cutting prices. I'm, I'm concerned about that. But at the same time, there's a lot of bad news priced into Disney. The stock is, you know, it's down 70% from its all-time high. It's approaching eight, nine, ten-year lows here. And, and it's starting to go up on bad news. So, I mean, when you start seeing your stock not going down anymore, you start thinking maybe the low isn't in Disney. It's been a good couple of days for DIS. It's been a great couple of days here. And, uh, you know, that's why, uh, you know, institutional accumulation. I mean, this 80 has just been a level of levels. Okay, if you're a big institution and you're loading up at 80 and it goes to 78, 73 or 78, you're buying more. I mean, that's just, you know, they, they want to get a stake, their average price. That's a big pop there over the last couple of days. Of course, market dynamics happen, but... But, you know, it's like it's got to sit like here it had a nice rally. I would like to see if it could get up to the eighty six dollar level. That's what it did the last time it bounced off 80. If I was a Disney shareholder and you started to get 84 and a half, 85 and you start struggling, 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 then boom, you could look, you know, for the turn back to 80. But that 86 just is that it? Yep, that's 86, man. That's a five star for you. 86, 19, 86, uh, just under 86. Those were two highs in September. Another high in August, uh, right there, just under 86, 85, 95. So TradeTheRange.com, 80 to 86. Let's see if Disney has the juice to get up there. We'll see if they ever find somebody for Iger, but let's go to Dennis for a final outlook of the market. What are you seeing today, Dennis? What will you be watching? Um, Again, just looking for maybe the Mega Cap 7 to catch an early bed. There's people who are underwater in these shorts, and they'll be using this opportunity to maybe – scratch out a trade or cover out you know some smaller losses here if they were short here um i think i go with what was working on friday to a certain extent and that was you know basically yeah the mega cap seven um i think if i was long defense stocks because they've been so beat up and remember interest rates are still a major concern here i think i you know i don't think you're gonna see them give it back or anything like that i don't think that's the case but it's a big pop i'm not chasing them here all right, Joel, let's get your final outlook here on the ES and what levels mm. should we be watching? Just a little nine o'clock pop here. Um, I'm, right now, it just feels like, you know, yes, chart there. me. Yes, chart me. Oh, they they, they want to see the charts. They want to see the charts, Joel. I said I, said I stopped sharing. The good stuff. The good me, stuff. Okay, let me go back here. I'm a little rusty <laughs> after. The good stuff. After, Trust after me. Uh, I get people hitting me up. I didn't get the Joel Conan levels. What happened, um, Mitch? Okay, let's go get rid of the Disney. Uh, boy, oh boy, I I think the pre the pre market low is be defended here. 
uh, as we speak right okay. now. So I would love to get down in, you know, the 4310. If it get down to the 4310 area again, I think you take a poke on the long side, lead on the pre-market low. You take out the pre-market high, there's nothing up there to unchanged. And, uh, you know, man, you get back up to 4150, that's unchanged on the session. That That's going to be, at a, you know, a really a big victory for the market. So that's what I'm looking for. Let's hold up that 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 pre-market low and let's see if we could test unchanged here. Uh, I just want to compliment uh, Mitch and Dennis here on just a fantastic show today. Uh, you know, with, you know, everything that's going on and putting it, you know, it's hard to talk about the markets and put things in a proper perspective. If, uh, you know, if you're a little bit emotional about something, but, um, you guys just did an incredible job and, uh, I you just too, Joel. Thank I mean, you. obviously this yeah. strikes home for you as well here. So, you know, it's, it's a touch, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to see. Nobody wants war. We don't want it. It's going back to war. I mean, we have Biden comments talking here which may be moving the market as well we, we stand behind israel and that may be why we got the little pop that we did we just popped eight s p points here but i mean nobody wants you know to see stuff like this happen and again i'll just say what i started with the show is sometimes it's not about making money sometimes we're giving your thoughts and you know prayers to you know those who are affected by this and you just hope for somehow a peaceful outcome yeah, definitely. Uh, like always, guys, keep up with everything on Benzinga. We will try to keep you guys up to date with all the breaking news, of course, as it should go out through the day. We'll let you guys know what hits the tape. Who will we have on tomorrow, Joel? Oh, boy, you caught me sleeping. All right, well, I'll tell you guys. No, no, no. Uh I'm going to. No, you caught me sleeping. I got you. got to yell at you all the time. Uh, good. <laughs> uh, Ivan Fine Seth is going to be joining mm. us uh, from Tigers Financial Powers. And I'm going to make a prediction right now. Ivan's going to be bullish. All right. Bullish big tech, right? <laughs> <laughs> My man likes his big tech. We definitely know he that. Does. We'll take a look at it. He doesn't. All right. Yeah, Everyone he... be safe out there. Diamond be safe out there, guys. We'll bring you guys yeah. over to live trading. That's coming up next. Dennis Dick is out of here. Joel Alconin's out of here. Stay tuned, guys. Of course, we got the future of digital assets going on in November. Don't want you guys to miss that. Check it out. I'll throw out the link here in the chat. The future of digital assets. You don't want to miss out this event. There's going to be some great speakers. Of course, we'll have Kevin O'Leary back in uh, in the show, and he'll actually be in town. Check that out, guys. The future of digital assets i'll throw up the link here and get you guys over to live trading that's coming up next don't go anywhere (laughs) 